Welcome, everyone, to the L7C podcast movie superhero end of year edition. Today, myself and the Captain Byron Mitchell are going to be closing out on some Marvel news that is how they're ending the year and the DC stuff and give our top 10 um, movies of 2021. As I said, we got the Captain with us, Byron Mitchell. How are you doing today? I am doing excellent. I'm enjoying my week off from work, so I'm, we're doing great today. Hey, that's what's up. That's what's up. So the way we're going to be doing this episode, we're going to talk Marvel first, then DC, and give our top 10 movies 2021. And if we have a little bit more time, uh, shoot, we'll see, talk a little bit maybe about some extra stuff. We'll see. But first, got to start off with Marvel. Uh, last week, uh, we're recording on 1222 last week. Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home came out. Been six days in. I'll let I'll let the captain decide if we're gonna give some spoilers or not. It's up to you, man. We usually don't give spoilers, but I feel like this one we have to. All right, take it away, man. Movie came out. It was amazing. Uh, we saw it obviously for the L7C. We see it Thursday night premieres. And crowd was going crazy. A lot of applauding, people standing up, getting hyped. Byron, what'd you think of this movie? What was your favorite parts? What what did you not like? Go ahead, man. First off, like you said, this movie was amazing. It was way better than I expected. Um, I did not expect it just to go from zero to 100 in like the first five minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. If you've seen Far From Home, you know, at the end of the movie, Spider-Man gets his identity revealed um, and everyone in the world knows that he's Peter Parker. So this movie, he's trying to deal with that, the repercussions of everyone finding out he's Peter Parker and how he's going to deal with that. That has some great bits. Uh, My favorite part of the movie, um, I actually have two favorite parts. Mm -hmm. The first part, because it was rumored that Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire are going to be in the movie. But like when they first get revealed, that scene between Zendaya's character, Ned, and then Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire, that scene was just great. And then another surprise reveal that was rumored but not confirmed is when um, the Netflix Daredevil Matt Murdock showed up um, as Peter's lawyer. That's probably my top two favorite scenes from that movie. Yeah, so as I'm actually looking on my wall with the with great power comes great responsibility quote right in front of me. The movie was crazy, man, because you see all these rumors for about a year. Like, mm-hmm. are they going to be in it? Are they not going to be in it? Who else is going to be in it? Everything was swirling around. And then, like you said, it was close to right off the bat. Uh, Matt Murdock, like you said, Charlie Cox, who plays Daredevil in the Netflix shows, coming in and everyone else was getting super hyped and obviously had to show that he wasn't just some regular Matt Murdock. Someone was throwing a brick into Peter's house and he caught it. And obviously you guys know Matt Murdock's blind. Mm-hmm. So everyone just in the house is like, how'd you do that? And he's just like, I'm a really good lawyer. But obviously, so Daredevil's there. We thought because Kevin Feige said that Charlie Cox would be there, Daredevil. We didn't know when that'd be. So now seeing him, Maybe we'll see what happens going forward in maybe phase five or something like that. And I also wanted to say, too, that this was the first time in movie history that Peter Parker's identity was exposed to the world. 
Yeah, that's so that's never big, been done before. That's a big thing uh, for the comic book readers. I know when Peter Parker showed up in Civil War, you might have thought his identity would have been revealed because in the comics, Peter, by joining Tony's side, reveals his secret identity. But that version of Civil mm-hmm. War, he's a older Spider-Man. And he also learns the repercussions when everyone's shooting up his house to kill Aunt May and all them. And he also makes a deal to erase people's stuff like you do with Doctor Strange. And yeah, with this movie, because you brought up Andrew Garfield, especially Tobey Maguire. I don't think this movie is as good if you did not watch the other Spider-Man movie. To fully understand what that scene meant. I agree with you because that's definitely a very nostalgic feel um, throughout this whole movie with the past villains showing up and them dropping, you know, some of the lines from their movies. Like when um, William Defoe's Green Goblin said, you know, I'm some sort of a scientist myself. Um, that line was just great. So without watching like the previous Spider-Man films, you're going to miss out on a, a lot of like hidden Easter egg that you won't get if you didn't see the movies. So definitely, I would say. If you haven't seen any of the other Spider-Man movies, you should definitely watch those before you watch this one. Yeah, because people are some a lot of people are calling this the greatest Spider-Man movie of all time. I'm not here to debate that, but it's not the greatest if you didn't watch the other ones. If you didn't watch mm-hmm. the trilogy, McGuire's trilogy, Garfield's uh, two, and then the two movies before this, you won't get it because there's so much callbacks to the movies. Like when all the villains are in Doctor Strange, is like magic prison we'll call it that mm-hmm. and they're talking about like what was about that they were talking about what was about to happen to them right before their movies so their movies were canon in this mm-hmm. so and obviously i mean when toby came out it, it, it place just got crazy in the theater and i've watched the reactions on youtube and seeing people go crazy it's an amazing thing to see and i it's crazy because especially since it was with the circle thing you haven't seen like that since everyone assembled against Thanos, mm-hmm. like a crowd going that crazy in a movie theater. Now that scene with Toby and Andrew coming in, Byron, does that rank among your top five? Like Marvel, like I don't know, intro coming in, arrivals ever. I think it. I think it has to be in the top five because, like you okay. said, just for a nostalgic sake, um, and like the rumors of them saying, "Oh, you know, they're going to be in the movie," but then Andrew Garfield said, "No, I'm not in the movie. I never signed a contract or anything like that." So just them confirming it, just by being in the movie, and then just seeing them interact with Ned and Zendaya was just just great. Yeah, and even side things with like MJ and MCU is Michelle Jones, obviously. MJ Spider-Man lore is Mary Jane. Mm-hmm. So even when um, William Defoe's character was like Mary Jane, he's like, "Oh no, Michelle Johnson is like fascinating." Man, I'll, I've been trying to think about that scene and like where it ranks and like epicness. Obviously, it's just using different Marvel properties is already super crazy mm-hmm. with fan favorite people like that, and it's like that scene because I was trying to think like that scene. The Avengers, the original six circling up for the first time. Because if you don't, if you didn't see that for the first time, that was crazy. Because mm-hmm. you've never seen superheroes like that circle up from different movies. Obviously, Tony Stark at the beginning saying, I am Iron Man. 
uh, the Avengers and Portals. But I still think, I still think the best scene ever is Thor coming to Wakanda. Because they, they were getting killed, and you did not know who was going to save them. And that music hits, and the bring me, I still think that's the best arrival in superhero movies ever. I would have to agree with you because they were definitely getting their beat um, by Thanos' army, kind of just Thor showing up out of nowhere. It was it was great. I I I'd say that was definitely has to like be They were one. getting smoked. Banners like there's too many of them. The music starts hitting. You see a new hammer coming through, clearing out everyone. Mm-hmm. And then I think this is probably one of the prettiest shots of like the past 10 years. When Thor jumps up and the screen goes all dark, with the lightning before he crashes down before the legendary bring me Thanos line. Mm-hmm. I think those scenes, and then obviously yeah, it's just their top top. And then just speaking on the villains with green got William Defoe, man, you got to bow down. This dude was acting. He was in his bag the entire movie. And it was great to see. Uh, before the movie came out, there was an interview where he said, that the only way he would come back is if he did like his own stunts. Mm-hmm. And I just think he just brought so much passion to the role. You could just see it in his performance. He was like that first fight scene between Peter and um, Green Goblin when he's literally slamming Peter through like the concrete. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. That <laughs> great fight scene. <laughs> or when he was getting punched before and he just kept laughing. That's when I told you, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, if the villain's laughing when you're punching and this ain't for you, bro, <laughs> you're going to have to take this Ellen retreat because they are, they, mm-mm. like he was going crazy. Obviously the fact that they were able to get all the original actors, mm-hmm. I don't know how, just saying that out loud, that must've taken a lot of negotiations behind the scenes and money wise. to oh, get yeah. Every original person, from all those movies back. Oh yeah, definitely had to take a lot of money to do that. And I'm glad, you know, they were able to pull that off because like I said, it's just a great movie all around. And then also too with Andrew, which I do want to touch on this on the podcast, because you hear what happened to him after the second movie when Gwen died. Like mm-hmm. he like that was an emotional scene. He got bitter, he stopped pulling punches. He didn't want that to happen to Peter. Because in this movie, too, it was this Tom Holland, obviously, like Tony died, who was like his mentor, father figure, mm-hmm. but like his surrogate mom, Aunt May dies to the hands mm-hmm. of Green Goblin. So, of course, main Spider-Man villain killing the person you love. And that's and he felt it was his fault. I mean, if he would have did what Doctor Strange did, but that's not what the spider people do. They try mm-hmm. and help. So it was, and then seeing the two Peters talk him down. I don't know if you like this, like scene but when toby Maguire's peter was like perched on the ledge just it looked really good Mm -hmm. because it was just like he was the oldest wiser one so it's like yeah i mean he talked about uncle ben when he died they all dropped him with great power responsibility line so Mm -hmm. seeing andrew get that closer closure and then obviously when our mj sadea is falling and tom holland's peter parker tries to catch her gets knocked out we're all just like, oh, my God, she's going to die again. And then Andrew Garfield gets the saver and gets the redemption. My only problem with that scene is I wanted him to look. And then a quick, I don't know if it was a property rights thing or whatever, a quick flashback 
of Gwen Stacy, Emma Stone from his mm-hmm. wall. Like, if we would have sold that flashback, I think that would have been the best scene in the movie by far. Oh, yeah, I agree. Definitely, if this was an anime, like you said, mm-hmm. that, like after dinner, they would have shown that, um, like, just like a quick anime edit of that. But I think, like, that was a great redemption arc for him, just have that closure of saving somebody because he couldn't save Gwen Stacy. So I would be interesting to see like how that affected him like when he goes back to his own universe right and you've seen ever since the movie people are demanding a third garfield movie people want a fourth mcguire one now i mean it probably would never happen but i'll give it to him <laughs> i think Magu- i think garfield has a better chance of getting a third than mcguire getting a fourth mcguire yeah. was going to get a fourth a long time ago but it all went sideways because now people are like, oh, my gosh, Garfield, like, he was a great, he just didn't have the crew. Like, he didn't have the directors. And, mm-hmm. But now they saw him again, and it's like, hey, bring him back. If, they, if there was a way for them to make that movie, that movie would make a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Especially what I've seen rumors of having Tom Hardy's Venom. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the scene they were talking about, like, the people they fought. Tommy McGuire fought a Venom in Spider-Man 3, so he fought an alien. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Holland fought Thanos and then uh, Garfield's like, oh, I haven't fought any aliens. Mm-hmm. So that put him and Tom Hardy's together? I mean... Yeah, that would be great. It, and then with Doctor Strange, too, obviously he was good. It was good seeing different heroes working together to an extent, mm-hmm. having them in the movie. And Byron, I know I joke about this, but I, but Spider people like Spider Man and Daredevil, you wonder how they're in Marvel because they operate like DC superheroes. Like, because once your identity is exposed, those like it's crazy because no one else has this issue in Marvel besides those two. Yeah, strange. Like everyone knows Captain America's identity, mm-hmm. everyone knows Iron Man's identity, Black Widows, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But like nothing. I'm not going to say nothing bad ever happens to them, but like as soon as Peter Parker identity is exposed, like shit goes to hell. (laughs) His friends couldn't go. His friends couldn't get into the college because Mm -hmm. they were associated with Spider-Man. His house was always under attack because half of the people thought he was a hero. Half thought he was a murderer. Jonah Jameson, who again, original actor, Mm -hmm. shout out to him, but him going on saying Spider-Man is a menace. I'm just sitting. I've always thought about it. I'm like, and none of the bad guys, when it comes to the Avengers, they're like the Avengers addresses are like in yellow pages. You can go fight them and fight them <laughs> at your house. Peter Parker gets exposed, and every, you saw it. Everyone was surrounding his house, mm-hmm. surrounding him day. at school. And then the other thing, man, with how did you feel about Aunt May dying? I was not expecting that. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know why. I just wasn't like expecting anyone to die in this movie. Mm-hmm. But just seeing that shocked it shocked me it was very um, very emotional scene because it was during the green goblin attack and the other villains attacking and forming the foe sinister six he thought she you know was okay but then just say oh no something's wrong because she delivered the um with great power comes great responsibility Mm -hmm. line and then she just dies after that and i don't think there's a like the whole theater was just silent after that, because no one was expecting it. Yeah, the only one who I thought 
was going to die just with, I thought it was going to be MJ just because I'm like, oh my gosh, you're going to continue this thing where they're too slow to save mm -hmm. the girl off the falling ledge. But yeah, seeing Aunt May die, that was, that was, it was a good emotional heartstring. You see Peter then change, like, I don't care anymore. If those mm -hmm. villains die, they die. Then he has to get talked to by the other Peters and all of that and all the meme stuff. They even had the, sp the spider meme with them pointing mm -hmm. at each other. And it was, it was great. And then Peter, I mean, he made the ultimate sacrifice at the end, telling Dr. Strange to basically erase that he ever existed. And Peter Parker doesn't exist mm -hmm. in the world. Only like Spider-Man does. So now no one knows who Spider-Man is underneath. So that's good. But also no one knows who Peter Parker is. So he erased those bonds that he's already said it's Peter Parker. Because you've seen him grow because he was a senior in high school now. So now he'd be next time probably a college student mm -hmm. depending on where the, you've seen him grow as a hero you see now he knows the sacrifices now because he made the one of the ultimates the only other sacrifice he could do is his life and he didn't have to but mm -hmm. for all his loved ones to forget him like mj and ned that's that's deep man that is deep and then on top of that like none of the avengers know who he is mm -hmm. so he's like no longer avenger like you could see when he was talking to Doctor Strange about like every having everyone forget about Peter Parker, you can see Doctor Strange like did not want to, but he's like, no, I have to because this, this is probably the best for everyone. But you can see kind of like a tear forming in his eyes. Mm -hmm. So a very emotional scene at that that point too. And then just him saying goodbye to MJ and Ned and just being sad. I did think at the end, I thought something was going to spark inside MJ. It looked like something was, but she couldn't mm -hmm. put like, her finger on it or whatnot. And they both got into MIT because they don't know Spider-Man. So that mm -hmm. all got changed. It's crazy, too. So then he moves into his own apartment because, obviously, he was at the grave of Aunt May. And Happy is like, oh, how'd you know her? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, man. He's like, through Spider-Man. She's like, and he's like, yeah, same. So it's like they both... It's weird, like this. Everything's still the same. It's just no one knows that Spider-Man's Peter and who this Peter Parker even is. Mm -hmm. So now, like you saw him get a GRE book because now he's not in high school. So now he has to get his GED to go yeah. to college and all of that. And yeah, you see end credit scene because we're gonna bring him up to Venom. He got warped into the main MCU universe for a split second. Mm -hmm. He was there asking questions about all these superheroes. Then he gets transported back to his universe, but a tiny little Venom thing stays on the table. So who is going to be a Venom in this universe? I have no idea. Maybe like the MCU's version of Brock. Um, I know there's, I saw some tweets about Flash Thompson maybe getting it. So we'll let's see. That's very, because that might be, because I know Kevin Foggy has confirmed that they're working on Spider-Man 4. So maybe oh, yeah. Venom is going to be the the villain of Spider-Man 4. It'll be interesting what they use for home in this one. That's true, because all the ones have, have been titled with Home and Homecoming, Far From Home, No Way Home. So yeah, that was the first end credit scene. Second one, which this blew my mind. It wasn't just an end credit scene. It was a trailer. Uh, if you're now it's out, it was the Doctor Strange uh, Multiverse of Madness they dropped the whole, the same trailer you guys are seeing on YouTube and all that. You saw that in theaters at the end, which was mind-blowing. Mm -hmm. What did you think about them dropping a whole trailer 
at the end of the movie and they should they do that going forward in phase four so i thought like if they did have something with like doctor strange and multiverse it'd be just like a little 30 second teaser like they usually do like doctor strange maybe like talking to wanda or something like that but i was not expecting a whole minute and a half trailer at the end i was personally a fan of it like if they did that going forward i wouldn't be mad or if they wanted to keep you know the same 30 second uh, little teaser at the end and credit scene i wouldn't be mad either but i i thought the trailer was looked amazing mm-hmm. um definitely see you see wanda in there you see a uh, bear mordo from the first movie they see a glimpse of america chavez um mm-hmm. the mcu character it looks like it's going to be a great movie it's going to be a little crazy that movie comes out in may mm-hmm. I think that's the first MCU movie of the year of 2022. Yeah, because that's the first trailer. So I think that's yeah. the first one. So that's going to be crazy. I, and I do love seeing Wanda in the Scarlet Witch fit. Oh, yes. That fit is fire. Yeah. So we're going to see, man. We got an evil Doctor Strange. We're going to see if Loki is uh, stuff's going to carry through. And it's like, mm-hmm. what happens? What happens next? It's going to be very Wong is going to be in it, obviously, Sorcerer Supreme. Mm-hmm. You gotta watch the movie to see how he is. I know that's it's funny, <laughs> but yeah, man, that movie's gonna be crazy. And they weren't the only thing that ended. Hawkeye ended as of today. Yes, Hawkeye's final episode was today. I you know, watched it. It was very good. I enjoyed the whole um, Hawkeye season's only six episodes, mm-hmm. um, and this one like ends like I said ends today, but ends like. And the MCU ends like the day before Christmas, which is funny because Christmas is this week. Um, Mm -hmm. I thought the finale was great. Um, The fight scene, it just went the whole hour and it's an hour and one minute. It just goes from the start to finish. Like the action is top notch. The fight scenes are great. I guess this is, if you haven't seen it, this will be a spoiler, just a small spoiler. Last week's at the end of the episode, they introduced Netflix's Kingpin. Mm -hmm. in the show um and send the foe yeah d'onofrio yeah and then he has a fight scene um in this one with kate um and that's just a a good fight scene like you see a fight scene um between kate and kingpin and then hawkeye and yelena and then like they're the hawkeye and yelena fight is emotional because she wants revenge because she thinks hawkeye killed natasha and you just see that play out. It's, like I said, it's just a, a great episode. You know, my problem with Elena is I don't understand why you just didn't go ask someone out. Like she was basing it off secondhand thing. Like there were people out there. Were, there were other Avengers. Go ask Bruce Banner. Like, mm-hmm. like why do you think Hawkeye just let your sister die? Like that makes me also think like obviously between Black Widow and Infinity War Endgame or the first Avengers. Obviously, you weren't talking to Natasha because you didn't realize that Clint and them, I'm going to say, was more family than you. Yeah. I mean, Clint could have killed. He's already he told Bishop in think episode four that he could have killed Natasha. But she saw that he wanted she wanted to go straight. Mm -hmm. So it's like, but they got their closure. Everything's honky dory. That ends as well. We're going to 2022, and they're like, hey, look forward to Doctor Strange. They haven't dropped anything else on that regard. Byron, you ready to go to DC? 
Um, I do want to say one more thing about okay. Marvel. Um, I know we say, I usually say this like every, pretty much every podcast, but I admire Marvel for um, their representation um, because in the show, Echo um, in the comics is a deaf amputee who ends up becoming a, a hero and fights with Avengers and other people. Um, and the actress they play who plays Echo in the show is actually in real life a deaf amputee. And it's just great that they get characters that fit, I mean, get actors or actresses that fit the characters. And I think that's just one of the best things Marvel has done this year is just reinforcing the whole representation matters thing. Great. My last thing with Marvel uh, in 2022, I want you guys to fully define what an Avengers level threat is. <laughs> Spider-Man, the whole seal, the whole sky was cracking purple. Eternals, a celestial was about to blow up the planet. And those aren't Avenger level threats. I've looked on the internet. People have typed their own definitions of it, but I want an MCU Kevin Feige one because y'all are acting out. <laughs> I, all right. I'll, I, I agree with that one because there's no point of addressing the Avengers if you're not going to have them help out with like the multiverse is literally cracking around New York. At least Dr. Strange went to Wanda. At least they're two powerful people, but still, come on now. But anyway, let's go DC. Uh, DC finished Armageddon last Tuesday. First real like crossover since Crisis on Infinite Earths, all centered around the Flash. You saw great cameos. Mia Queen, Jefferson Pierce, Batwoman, Oh, Byron, how'd you feel about Armageddon? God, I'm so glad crossovers are back. That was a great start. Well, return to crossovers. Like, the storyline was great. Alien, you know, trying to save future Earth from Flash being destroying it. And then you find out who, like, the real villain is. Um, I think it was a great storyline from the first episode to the end episode. I think my favorite episode of it was Jefferson Pierce's one. Mm -hmm. I think that one was super heat, uh, especially when they're fighting and they crash into the memorial to the Green Arrow. And then you see how Barry is so distraught when he crashed. He's like, no, 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 no. And mm -hmm. then Jefferson says, is this what he would have wanted? And I'm like, oh, no. And then he's like, Oliver gave his life for you. That means you're the best of us. And I was like, and Jefferson was out here. He was there giving that speech, boy. <laughs> he mm -hmm. was. That was I, a, a great speech. And he gave him that whole line that he says to his students, you know, I can't think of it right now, but that whole speech that he gives the students, like, you know, where does your future start? Who's in charge of your future? Mm -hmm. And that thing. Was, he gave that to Barry. And it's just great. It's just a great speech. That was really good as well. And now that's basically on hiatus till 2022. Mm -hmm. Also, we got the trailer. For Superman and Lois, season two, we weren't expecting it when it came out, and that trailer was flames. That scene where Superman swoops in, and it's raining in the submarine, the capture, oh my goodness. Yeah, that trailer was fire. Um, season two is probably going to be great, because season one was great. Definitely, will the trailer, you kind of see like some of the spillage um, from the last scene of season one with Captain Luther's daughter coming back. And then you could just see like the turmoil and um, 
in this trailer, like you can see she's about to have some emotional scenes regarding that whole situation. Yeah, and you even see the scenes where the U.S. Army dude, who I guess is taking over after Lois's dad because he said he was stepping back. Mm-hmm. He's like, man, you haven't pledged to you got to pledge to America. I was like, and Superman's like, I gave my pledge to the world a long time ago. So mm-hmm. it seems like there's going to be some torment there that they're going to see Superman as a threat because he won't align just strictly with America. And obviously, we still don't even know who's going to be the bad guy in that season. That wasn't revealed. Right. And that comes out January 11th. That'd be a great start. I wish he was in Armageddon. I really mm-hmm. wish he was there, but it was what it was. And then shoot, Byron, today, past two days, DC has dropped some bombshells. Uh, yesterday, it was today where I shared earlier that the Matt Reeves crew, they reached out to Christopher Nolan and said, we're gunning to beat the Dark Knight trilogy. How did you feel about that? They're, they're going for it. I'm always a fan of healthy competition. So, Matt Reeves, if you could pull off a better trilogy <laughs> than Christopher Nolan, go for it, man. Because Dark, the Dark Knight was one of my all-time favorite Batman movies, and that was super successful. Um, so, if you can get three successful successful movies, go for it. That was just crazy. And speaking of Batman, we just have a bombshell dropping that. Michael Keaton is listed to be in the Batgirl movie. Go for it. Give me what all is the... going on. I, Batman. I mean, I guess they want to have Batman have a resurgence because he hasn't had a it's like a solo movie since The Dark Knight Rises. So which was over 10 years ago. Right. So I guess this is about to be the Batman uh, renaissance. I'm just so confused because of Batgirl's Batgirl Michael Keaton's thing. Like, where are we? How is that lining up? I guess we're going to have to really find out more what happens in Flash's movie. Mm-hmm. Because Flash's movie, it was rumored that a couple of the people from Superman's Man of Steel, the Kryptonians, were going to be in it. There's a small rumor I saw today that Henry Cavill's going to be in it. I don't believe that at all. But, <laughs> but Benny A is supposed to be in that. And Michael Keaton, like, what's going on with that I don't know if you saw the Shazam thing. There was rumor that Gal Gadot's going to be in the Shazam movie. I did not see that rumor. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I mean, I guess it is called Fury of the Gods. Make, yeah. Wouldn't make sense for Amazonian to be in there. We're, we're going to see how superhero movies really start in 2022 because Batman's up first. No, actually, the first one would be Morbius. Morbius! Because that comes out January correct something? Yes, Morbius is first, then Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Morbius, for people who are like, oh, why do I need to see Morbius? Do remember that since we're talking about Batman, Michael Keaton's Vulture is in Moby- like Morbius. Morbius's thing, but Michael Keaton's Vulture was Tom Holland's first villain. So yes. where is this take? Now you got to think, where is this taking place? Is Morbius in MCU? Mm-hmm. Or did... Did he get trans? Like, what happened? Because also in the second trailer, which I like the second trailer a lot, you see the Spider-Man murderer thing mm-hmm. on there. Obviously, for people thinking he's a murderer because of uh, what happened to Mysterio. But then you also have him joke with saying that he is Venom at the end, and Venom's a different... This movie, people are sleeping on it. It's going to mm-hmm. have a lot of connecting things that you need to pay attention to. Oh yeah, for sure. With the whole, like you said, the whole, where where 
does it take place? Like, is it in the MCU or is it in the Sony Spider-Man universe? Mm-hmm. So I think that would be like the biggest question that will be answered um, when the movie comes out. Or was this all taking place and then the end credit scene, you see him go back to the universes after what happened in No Way Home. That's tr- That could be a very well a possibility too. I'm also excited, interested to see like what the end credits scene will be in that movie. Yes, because Venom's one hit it out the park. Yes, because I was not expecting him to show up in the MCU first because mm-hmm. they've kept like the Spider-Man MCU out of the Sony verse. Mm-hmm. So to, to see them combine and two movies this year was insane. We're going to see. So that's January. Then it's the Batman in March. And that movie, man, it, it's going to it's going to tell a lot of things about the year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, because, guys, Spider-Man, if you didn't know, in COVID, we have the new Omicron variant and all that. Spider-Man is the third highest grossing movie in the weekend of all time. Yeah, I think it's made like 231 million so far. In COVID. Yeah, that is insane. I, I don't think it would have beat Endgame if it was normal circumstances, but it could have been number two, man. Mm-hmm. This I, Actually, I don't know because they did it in COVID. Right. Like, I mean, that's just crazy. A lot of people were risking it to go see the last Marvel movie of the year. And like, then it just makes you wonder, like, how many people a haven't seen it because you know they don't want to take that risk, or b you know are just waiting for it to come out on DVD or streaming services. Yeah, Spider-Man: No Way Home, third highest box office opening of all time, with two hundred fifty-three earned in the weekend. The first movie. To open north of 100 million domestic since 2019 and had the second best opening day of all time. That's beating all the Star Wars, everything in COVID, second biggest opening day of all time behind Avengers Endgame. And, and I think the thing, too, Byron, is that I know a lot of diehard Spider Man fans who are actually really upset with what. Spider-Man was in the MCU because mm-hmm. they just saw him as Tony's little lap dog, like Tony's like he's just a little Tony thing. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't like Spider-Man because for people who just got to Marvel in 2008, Spider-Man is the poster child of Marvel. Mm-hmm. Like he is their Batman, Superman. It's him. So to just see him like, oh, he's just like some Tony Stark legacy character, blah, blah, blah. This movie I think change it like, no, he is Spider-Man now. So yeah. that's what I think a lot of people really liked about that. But man, we're going to see because now I'm seeing with Spider-Man and I think they have pretty sick. Well, I, I actually don't know. I think the Batman fan base is more crazy and rabid. <laughs> I'm just imagining what the Batman's going to do. If we get this new variant under control, I think we will see another 200 plus opening weekend, 200 million plus opening weekend for Batman. Do you think Spider-Man can, no, I can't believe I'm going to be saying this in COVID. Do you think Spider-Man can make a billion? If it keeps making 250 million um, a weekend, yes. (laughs) I'm trying to get to box office mode, man. This is, I'm not used since I was tracking 
Endgame, but trying to get to box office mojo right now to see where they're at. Holy sh! Byron Worldwide, they're at seven hundred fifty-one thousand in six days. Wow! <laughs> oh my gosh! Wow! They're gonna get a billion in six days. Yes. And we don't even know if it's opened up in like China and all of that. Right. I think. I feel like I read somewhere that China was supposed to get it in February, but I'm not oh. 100% sure about that. Yeah, I do not see China on here. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Jeez. Jesus. So they've, we already said the domestic, well, domestic's now 328,000. International's 422,000. This is going to make a bit, this is the, uh, wow. Wow. That's crazy. Well, but with DC two, I mean, obviously in January two. Shout out to my boy John Cena, Peacemaker coming out, mm-hmm. HBO Max. I'm just more excited when January comes to the CW shows will be back. Mm-hmm. So it, they they are they're starting to pick up like that stuff. News today with Keaton being in Batgirl and all of that. I think sooner or later we'll start seeing trailers next year of more Flash, Shazam. And, you know, the hierarchy of power is going to change. <laughs> yes, Black Adam is coming. <laughs> we definitely will have to see Star City more um, trailers because, you know, we got the ones, the trailers for Batman. So we probably won't get a Shazam trailer until, like, end of next year because that doesn't come out until 2023, which is still insane to me. I can finish a movie in 2021 <laughs> and I have it premiere until 2023 but whatever so then we'll have to start getting the black adam trailers and the flash trailers well i guess we did get a teaser at a dc fandom for flash but the official trailer sometime next year right right Byron, anything else on dc and all that before we go to our top 10 movies of the year oh we didn't cover supergirl supergirl did end from the last time that we recorded an Arrowverse Trinity member, uh, six seasons. Again, mm-hmm. doing any seasons on TV is hard, and having your show keep continually going for, I think, if your show gets past two, three seasons, it's successful. Mm-hmm. But having six seasons of her being a definitive Supergirl, obviously we'll get a DCEU Supergirl, but Melissa Benoist's definitive Supergirl to me. Mm-hmm. So how did you feel about, and you want to talk about like crossover. Remember, Supergirl used to be on CBS. Mm-hmm. And Flash from CW went to like that was a crossover in itself. So how did you feel about the legacy of Supergirl? I thought she had a great six seasons. Definitely had a top tier villain in Lex Luthor. I think she did well uh, for being like the first female led yeah, series mm-hmm. on CW. So I think she did great. I wish she would have got more seasons. But I understand why she, you know, wanted to have season six be her finale because she, you know, just got married um, to the guy who plays Monel in the show and then just had a kid. Mm-hmm. So I understand, you know, she wants to do her motherly duty. But I, I commend great six seasons. I uh, wish I could have seen you in like the Armageddon crossover. Hopefully she will, you know, come back and do some crossovers because she said she wasn't done with the character. She just taken a break. Two other things DC was because I completely forgot about this rumor as we were talking. There's been a whole bunch of 
Gotham stuff. CW apparently potentially making a Gotham Night show. We we gotta touch on that. That is true. That's insane because we don't even have a Batman yet. <laughs> <laughs> like we've gotten like rumors, like they've talked about it, and then Batwoman. I think it was either this season or last season that had Hush mm-hmm. um, to the Batman lookalike. Mm-hmm. But we haven't still haven't gotten an official Batman yet. So to them, for them to announce Gotham Knights is insane. It's crazy too because it's made, so. What does that do with Batwoman? Batwoman's in Gotham. Is it going to be canceled and transfer all these people there? They're going to do it simultaneously. Who's going to be in it from the synopsis? It's like Batman's adopted son. Is it going to be Dick Grayson? Is it going to be mm-hmm. Jason Todd? Is it going to be Tim Drake? But then why aren't they in this? Like that was one of the craziest things I saw, and I was like. No way this is real. But then you see entertainment news mm-hmm. and all of them talking about it. You're just like, oh, my God, is this really getting made? I won't believe it until it's officially announced mm-hmm. by the CW because we got the rumor of Painkiller being a show. It never came. We got the rumor of Green Arrow and the Canaries being a show and it never came. So I need to see officially CW announce it with like a poster before I believe it. But if it's yeah. if it's true, it's it, it's insane, and I'll yeah, I'm, I'll watch it. We got to see casting. We got to see what's going on. I assume it's in the Arrowverse. There's a lot of things that it would just be crazy. And you brought up those two other shows. The show that did get called Naomi. I feel like it's going to have a lot of pressure just for the fact that those other shows wanted to be made. Mm-hmm. People wanted those shows made. So, but I yeah, and that I comes out in January as well, I believe. Yeah, January is when all the CW shows are coming back from their winter break. Mm-hmm. Batwoman will be coming back with Poison Ivy. I soon the real one is coming. Yes, the real one is coming because they have casted her. I mean, casted the Poison Ivy character. Um, but right now, um, can't think of the her name right now. But is a faux Poison Ivy. Uh, the stepsister. Yeah, the stepsister. Mm-hmm. Which I'm like, why do they have to turn her into Poison Ivy? Because, like, I liked her as a character. Like, she was doing great work, and then just to change her to Poison Ivy, just like part of me is frustrated. But the story is, I mean, the first half of the season has been great. That's crazy. All right, Byron, top 10 movies of 2021. We'll go through 10 and work our ways up. So I'll say my 10, you say your 10, then 9, 9, and so forth. Okay. Honorable mentions I wanted to throw out though were like Mortal Kombat, mm-hmm. uh, Kong vs. Godzilla, Fast mm-hmm. Nine. So by number 10, which I will actually see this week, but I had to rank it lower just because I haven't seen it. Number 10 will be Sing 2. Okay. I'm seeing it this week. I really liked Sing 1. I didn't know, I didn't have anything else that I saw that I wanted to put at 10, but I know that this will be in my top 10. So I'm putting Sing 2 at number 10. What's your number 10? Army of the Dead. I'm the one that just came out on Netflix earlier this okay. year. Dave Batista about the zombie mm. army um, in Vegas. I thought it was a really great movie that had some funny moments. Mm-hmm. Um, they got a prequel in Army of Thieves, which is one of my honorable mentions. I like that one as well. And I'm hopefully they get a sequel. Because the way it ended, it definitely has sequel potential. And I just thought it was a really great movie. Got you. My number nine was Eternals. Okay. Uh, Eternals, I 
I think people giving it a bad rap. Obviously, people didn't like the two gay males kissed in the movie. That was a whole mm-hmm. issue. So it couldn't get shown in places that didn't like that. And people were impatient because we're almost 20 something movies into the MCU and you're getting a whole introduction thing again. Mm-hmm. But I really like the dynamic with the group. Shoot, they're more together to me sometimes than I think than the actual Avengers. And then obviously, they are encompassing a wider villain that could affect everybody. And they're the first movie of this seat of this year to encompass that. Mm-hmm. Like Arshman the Judge is coming. Like, that's coming. real. Yeah. He's he might be the one who sends Galactus. This is how we might get Galactus. That is an Avengers level threat. This better not be Eternals 2 where they try and fight him. That is an Avengers level threat. So and, and I, he was real. Like anytime he when he popped off to Earth, that was one of the, my favorite scenes of the year. Mm-hmm. And they had the twist of oh dude being the bad guy. Like I was like, oh, did not see that coming. And I, I, I liked it, man. I felt like it got a bad rap, but if you like if you rewatch it and like so I I think it was a good movie. It was a good movie. My number nine is another Netflix movie uh, that came out this year. It's called The Harder They Fall. Okay. Uh, it's a cowboy western and cowboys are like, cowboy westerns are like one of my favorite genres of movies. Mm. Um it has primarily an all black cast. Mm-hmm. I think there might be a couple um non black people in there. The acting is great. Um they have some all stars, um and Jonathan Majors, Idris Elba, just to name a few. I thought the movie was great. Um the story was great. It had a twist at the end that I didn't see coming. So if you haven't seen it, I would definitely check out Carter if all on Netflix. My number eight was Encanto, uh, the recent movie that just came out from Disney musical mm-hmm. type. Saw that a couple of weeks ago. That movie was really good. Really talking about the lessons of, in that case, you don't need powers to be special. Mm-hmm. Music was great. When Mel, if, you know, the director of In the Heights has been in his bag this year. He mm-hmm. directed that movie as well. Um, there was actually some people from In the Heights who were in that movie. Um, I know the main character was one of the girls from the salon. So that movie was really good. Really good festive, like, culture. Obviously, seeing the culture in that movie, too. Really great. That was my number eight. My number eight is The Eternals. Hey! Yep, for primary the reasons that you said. I thought it was a good movie. Like, I understand, like, why people give it the flag that it take you do like some of the plot points like i know i said this on the pat last pot cast that we did that some of the flashbacks felt like felt random mm-hmm. but overall i think the movie is great the fight scenes were great kari was one of my favorite eternals and i think overall the cast did great and now we are on to number seven my number seven shang chi legends of the ten rings AKA project. If y'all remember our <laughs> podcast talking about one of the Marvel, it's like, oh, this is a good project. One of the highest grossing movies of the year. That movie was really good. They really were in their bag. The fight scenes, getting a proper Mandarin, mm-hmm. seeing his motivations, and obviously seeing Chang Chi having to accept his destiny to become what he was supposed to be was really good. And shoot, the end credit scene did not expect with Wong. Bruce Banner and Captain Marvel talking about these rings are making a beacon to something, which we don't know what is to. Is it to the Celestials? Because that's going to be a problem, dude. You're going to have to throw those in the trash. 
But <laughs> the fight scenes were just great, man. And it, it showed me, too, that with the right actors, the right intentions, the right writing, mm-hmm. you can do a real live anime action movie. From what That showed me you can do it if you have everything in place. So that is my number uh, seven. Okay. Uh, my number seven is The Suicide Squad. Oh, I forgot about them! <laughs> Dang! Honorable yes. mention. Damn. <laughs> yes, number seven. I thought the movie was just well done. Um, I liked it better than the first Suicide Squad movie they had. Um, yes. Just the interactions between the characters were great. Uh, John Cena did a great job as mm-hmm. Peacemaker. Everyone just did an excellent job. The action scenes were amazing. That whole uh, fight scene where they were going through the camp, John Cena and Idris Elba, like seeing who can outdo each other. I thought that was great. The end fight scene with Starro, I thought that was great too. Just a lot of great moments um, in this one. And that's why it's my number seven film. I forgot completely about Suicide Squad. That should be honorable mention for me. That could be my content of that movie was really good. My number six, which I don't think people realize this movie actually started the year off and it honestly should just be an honorable number one just for that. But I just have it at six justice league, the Schneider cut that movie started off 2021 from being a fan, like a cult thing, like, Oh, release the Schneider cut. It's not Mm -hmm. real. It's not real to then it's real. How different is it going to be a whole different movie? And folks, I'll be honest, it, it should be in your top 10 just for Red or the Armada. We'll use the old ways. Yes. That, that's all I have to say on that. Yes. <laughs> the funny thing is, number six is also, my number six is also Zack Snyder's Justice League. Hey! The movie was just great. I wanted to put it higher, but I couldn't You'll when you see my top five. Mm-hmm. Um, but that movie was hard. It's definitely a different tone from the first movie. Like you can still literally see Zack Snyder's vision in this. Um, it was four hours, but it didn't feel like four hours, which is insane to me, but the whole movie was great. Um, and ready. The Armada still sends shivers down my spine. Like when you first see it, cause it was right in January and you're like, Oh my God, mm-hmm. the biggest movie is really different than the other one. And you're just like, yeah, I'm a believer. I remember we titled our podcast "Restore the Schneiderverse." It needs to come back. It like, does. let him do what he wants to do. Like the nightmare scene, like all of that. And shoot, we live in a society where honor is a distant memory. Isn't that right, Batman? Oh my, the lines in that one. Yeah, there are some great lines. Definitely, if they restore the Schneiderverse, they would definitely make so much money. So much money. That's when we talked about Warner Warner Brothers fumbling the bag. Marvel, hopefully you're not. I mean, they got momentum now with wanting Garfield to have another movie. Marvel loves money, so Mm -hmm. we'll see. And Sony does too. We're going in the top fives now. My number five was actually My Hero Academia World Hero Mission. It was the third My Hero movie. Mm -hmm. It came out the day before my birthday. So that was another why I got points for me. And man, just going to a movie and with anime now having a prominent thing in the big screen, if you release a popular anime and people will come and see the fight scenes. And I mean, my hero shout out to Andrea Alanis who talks about my hero. 
mm-hmm. for us. Great movie. So that was my uh, that's my fifth. How about you? Number five. I probably I know you probably have this movie higher. Number five for me is Black Widow. Okay. Okay. I enjoyed this movie from beginning to end. The fight scenes were crazy. They were hard hitting, especially the first fight scene between Natasha and Elena. I literally <laughs> thought someone died <laughs> from how just how hard they were hitting each other. A great movie all around. I like the call outs to like the previous movies, like how you see Natasha get the vest, um, how she gets the blonde hair. So I think it was just great for nostalgia's sake. And then the Quinjet as well. The Quinjet, yep. And then how you know Black Widow finally got her solo movie. I'm not that too mad because my number four was Black Widow. Okay. Uh, for all the things that you said, also with the fact too that it was a long time coming for Natasha to for Scarlett Johansson to finally get her uh, solo movie, and obviously she's the queen of the MCU, the first female founding Avenger. And you hear some things that Elena talk about, and you didn't really think about. You're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Uh, one of the scenes like where well, if Drakov knew I was alive. Why he didn't come kill me? He's like. He kills you. Avengers come kill him. It's in the name. Mm-hmm. And then like you, they might send the big ones. That's one of my favorite The big ones. Like, yeah, I don't think the space God needs to take an aspirin <laughs> after a fight or how like Elena's talking about how now Natasha's all in the magazines and everyone wants mm-hmm. to be her. And obviously the first, the first movie that directly the post credit scene goes to a MCU Disney plus show. Mm-hmm. That was the first time that's happened. So really showing like, hey, we're really connecting these movies to the shows because Elena gets the she's like, oh, yeah, this is the reason your sister died. And mm-hmm. obviously, shout out to them. Shout out to Black Widow living in Ohio. Yes. I also represent. So, yeah, and that's the queen. And like, obviously, and she made 60 million off Disney Plus, beat Marvel, beat Disney in the lawsuit. They got mm-hmm. to do more stuff. So it all worked out. That's my number for only problem with that movie, which we talked about, one of the end scene with Taskmaster to be longer. Yes, agreed. My number four is one you already mentioned, uh, Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Hey, I'm a big fan of Representation Matters. Mm-hmm. Um, now that we get our first Asian American or mm-hmm. Asian uh, superhero on the big screen, um, which I thought was excellent. The and not animation, but like the scenes. The cinematography was beautiful. The fight mm-hmm. scenes were amazing. The story was good. You, like you say, you see the uh, we get the real Mandarin. You get to see his motivations for why he's doing what he's doing in the movie. You can see Shang Chi mature during the movie, and there's the end credit scenes where there's like, yeah, the ba- the rings are sending a beacon to someone, so you know there's like something is coming to the MCU. Whether there's the Celestials, the Kree, something big is coming to the MCU. And I just thought the overall the movie was great. Top three now. My number three, Spider-Man No Way Home. That is okay. my number three movie. I don't really think I need to talk more about it. We got, got Daredevil. We got all the Spider-Man. We got basically into the Spider-Verse in live action. Hopefully, I don't know, every 10 years they do something like that. When they get new, hopefully we get a Miles Morales live action. They hinted mm-hmm. at it. But there's nothing more I need to add to this movie because we've already talked about it at the beginning of the pod, but that's my number three, man. It was a great MCU movie to end the year. Okay. My number three is In the Heights. 
great movie. I just love musicals. That's one of my favorite things, whether it's going to see like a Broadway show at a theater or just like the movie musicals. I thought this was great. The songs were amazing. The story is great. I still listen to the soundtrack like every other day. This, I just love this movie so much. Like the cinematography was great. The dancing, the acting was great. The songs were great. Just a, uh, I think it's probably a sleeper hit because I don't think enough people have seen it or enough people are talking about it. But In the Heights is top three for me. My number two is In the Heights for all the reasons you said. Like again, I was going. I didn't. I was like, oh, I'm not when I left, when I was in that theater, I was like, hold on, this is hitting. Mm-hmm. Like, and then leaving the theater, I mean, we obviously had our little trip to Putin Bay after that. And like, just singing the song, like the song still hit to this day. Like when I watch it, Carnival de Barrio, like all the mm-hmm. songs are just amazing. Like if those songs go on, I start singing it. It's like uh, that movie obviously got heavily great reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Just I don't think a lot of people saw it. But I've shown people the movie. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like that is my number two, just because. And the thing of all superheroes and all that, I'm like, hey, you put me in front of in the heights. I could watch that. I can watch that and listen to the soundtrack on repeat easy. Mm-hmm. What's so my number two is Demon Slayer Mugen Train. First anime movie that I've seen in theaters because I didn't get a chance to see like the Dragon Ball Super movies in theaters. Mm-hmm. But this is the first movie I've seen, anime movie I've seen in theaters. And I just thought it was amazing. Like the cinematography, the animation, fight scenes were amazing. The story was great. And that's an ending fight between Rengoku and Akaza is probably my number one fight in anime this entire year. Because it, you first off, you weren't expecting it because you thought the movie was about to end after they saved the people on the train. And then you just get this surprise, hard hitting fight at the end and you can see why people call Rengoku Rengoku because it's just fight scene was just amazing man we're just one off my number one is Demon Slayer Mugen Train uh, for all the reasons you said it's funny too because when I was thinking about this list even months ago I I didn't think anything was going to knock it off I really didn't and I just Mm -hmm. just for the fact too all the things you said first of all the music and Rengoku versus Akaza is crazy. Yes. Like that is crazy in itself. And you it's perfect movie telling because Rengoku, who you only see in this movie, he goes from like, oh, he's a Hashar to this dude is a goat. He's one of the greatest anime characters of all time. They were able to portray that in a span of two hours, mm-hmm. which is great. And the reason this is also number one for me. Demon Slayer brought movies back in 2021. Mm-hmm. It did. Like that alone in itself made it number one for me. Obviously, we ju- you saw what the stocks were doing when Demon Slayer came out. You saw the numbers until recently. Demon Slayer was the highest grossing movie of the year, an anime movie. So mm-hmm. it's just the fact that people were like, oh my God, you need to see Demon Slayer. People who don't even like are into anime is like, you need to see Demon Slayer. It brought movies back. It brought the movie theater experience back with people getting hyped, people crying. That that itself for me, and obviously you were an AMC stock person. You saw what was going on during Demon Slayer time mm-hmm. with the stock. That's the reason why it's number one for me. And I'm yes. guessing number one for you has to do with a certain web slinger. 
It does. Spider-Man, no one. No Way Home is my number one movie of this year. Like you said, I thought Demon Slayer was going to be just number one the whole year after I saw it. But Spider-Man No Way Home, man, it just did something special Mm -hmm. uh, for fans who have been Spider-Man fans for a while now, just through seeing the movies, like you said, the Andrew Garfield movies, the Tobey Maguire movies. There's just nostalgia, the callbacks. It was just like a perfect movie, just a perfect ending to the Spider-Man No Way Home trilogy. Tobey was three movies and then Andrew Garfield's two movies. It just like just wrapped all of it into a just nice, neat little bow. The action scenes were great. The story was great. Like yeah, I just I cannot call him my number one. Question though, if Demon Slayer came out after Spider Man, if that was the last movie you saw, same you get the same initial reactions from when you first mm-hmm. saw. Would that change your thing? Because there is a, is there a little recency bias? Because you, I mean, when you saw that, you're like, yeah, man, I gotta watch Demon Slayer now. This is it. <laughs> I don't know. It might be a little recency bias because it's like the last movie I've like seen, which is fair. Mm-hmm. But I might just put them like one A and one B. Fair enough. Because they're both great movies. Like you said, Demon Slayer kicked off the resurgence back into the theaters, helped my stock. So thank you, Demon Slayer. <laughs> but Spider Man, just like a, I know there's a couple movies that have came out. After Spider-Man, like Matrix Resurrections, and then like mm-hmm. Sing Two, uh, which I haven't seen yet, but to me, it's just like a, it's just like a perfect way to end a, in the in the year. So your top three, the I mean, you had Spider-Man, Demon Slayer. What was your third? In the Heights. So in my top three was Spider was Demon Slayer, In the Heights, Spider-Man. So we had the same top three, yeah, just in different order. Yep. Which is that's that's really cool in itself, man. It's just. Man, you, you, I just, man, uh, none of them are hit. None of them are beaten uh, in the Heights of soundtrack. No, not at all. <laughs> and then the Akaza theme, when you hear that, you know someone's throwing hands. Yes. Byron, man, this is how we're wrapping up Marvel and DC. We're obviously going to be back in a couple weeks. We got our big Naruto What If battle to wrap up the year. And we got the end of year podcast to wrap up the year. Mm-hmm. Anything else, man? I think, I mean, Marvel and DC did had a great year. I'm excited to see what they do in 2022. I know there's some big movies coming out for the MCU. There's some big movies coming out for DC. Hopefully, we'll get release dates for the two DC games that are coming out this yeah, year. Yeah, that's what we need. We need that in 2022. Yes. Um, you know, we'll be playing it, probably streaming it when they come out. So I'm excited for I'm just excited for 2022, what it holds for the MCU and the DCEU and DC in general. DC, the only thing I got with the video games, try and excuse me, try and keep it on PS4. I'm not really trying to be a buy a PS5 just yet. Right. Uh Marvel start off the year with the roadmap. I want to know what we're getting, man. Mm-hmm. I know we still have to street, we still have to go to the raid. We're still prepping for that, but it was a great year for both of them. A lot of money them and then the two and then the anime movies and the musical movies did well so mm-hmm. yeah we'll be back in a couple weeks you'll hear us on the end of year ones and yeah with that being said this is the l7c podcast if you haven't seen spider-man go see it now before everything gets spoiled for you gear up because 2022 mcu dceu Arrowverse, 
Demon Slayer Season 2. It's going to be wild. It's going to be wild. With that being said, take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of the L7C Podcast. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the channel. Follow us on all social media platforms, and we'll be talking to you guys soon. Take care.